You're listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs who have sold their companies and the advisors that help them. We elicit expert advice from exit planners, attorneys, merger and acquisition experts, accountants, business appraisers, and financial advisors, all with a goal of educating you about the sales process. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started a sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. And now, here's your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's Noah Rosenfarb from Freedom Business Advisors here with my first-time repeat guest, Mike Carter. Mike is the president and CEO of BizEquity. If you didn't listen to the first podcast we had, certainly go back after this one and take a listen. The title's Lessons Learned from Providing Over 13 Million Business Valuations. And Mike, I'm so glad to have you back because now what's the number? How many have you done in the last year? Oh, thanks, now? Noah. Pleasure to be back. We're up to 29.3 million. It's unbelievable. It's really, really wildly crazy, wildly successful. How are you doing it? Yeah, so really opening in new markets for one. So since we last spoke, which I guess was nine months ago, close to nine months ago, we moved up that number of uh, valuations predominantly through expanding data relationships here in the United States. And then also we entered new markets, which would be the United Kingdom with an office in London. And then also we entered the Singaporean market as our beachhead into Asia. That's great. So what do you attribute this fast adoption rate to? How come people are using the product so quickly? Yeah. So I think that, you know, business valuation was something that was somewhat of a, a, a black art or something that oh, you know, only somebody could come in and go through your tax returns and you wait four to six weeks. And if you're willing to take that pain and suffering and pay, you know, five to $10,000, you could get a valuation report back. And what we saw, as we talked about, I think in the last one, which was terrific, was the fact that despite all that, right, that it costs close to $10,000, takes four to six weeks, and less than 2% of all businesses actually do one annually, it was a $7.4 billion market just in the U.S. So what we did was really democratize it, put it online, make it better, faster, cheaper, and really enable every business through their advisors or financial institutions or directly to understand their value now for you know pennies on the dollar comparatively. And I think that really helped speed the adoption. And then also using big data, so the 29.3 million valuations that we've been able to utilize really is a credit also to our engineering and data team, the ability to do that, you know, much like if you think about it, Zillow did in the early 2000s with home values, we kind of do that to kind of seed the market to get usage on the actual business valuation itself. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But before we get there, on these valuations, do you have a sense, you know, and it probably is just anecdotal. Of the 2% of businesses that had valuations done before, how many of them are using biz equity and how many of these are companies that had never done a valuation? Are you tapping into the 98 or are you eating into the 2%? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Right now, you know, the early evidence is in, it's kind of a mix. If you asked me early on, I would have thought it would be all new users, meaning we're democratizing it, we're making it available. It's people that couldn't afford to do it or didn't have the time to do it. And I think that represents 
six tenths of the pie for us. But you know, the other forty percent are really people that are like, wait a minute, your report was as good, if not better, than what I paid thousands of dollars for. You know, I'm just going to use your service. So that tends to be the breakdown thus far. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So you know, as the listeners probably remember, we started using VizEquity in our practice kind of right out of the gate. I think, you know, Mike, you and I met pretty early on through my partner, Scott Yoder, and we just loved what you were doing. So we've done probably close to 40 valuations in the last 12 months. And I think only two of the clients had actual reports. So our statistics were probably more skewed to what you would have thought. And of the two that had the valuations done, you know, our numbers were pretty close. So they were very impressed. And then with the kind of, let's just say, 38 that never had a valuation done, you know, we always like to ask them before we show them the number, you know, what do you think the business is worth? And, you know, some were surprised at, at the how much higher it was, some were surprised at how much lower, but really no one was disappointed. Everybody felt like the data was there, the numbers were there to support the valuation. What's the feedback that you're getting? How do you get it so close without that personal interaction that most of the valuation and appraiser experts are doing with the client. Yeah, so one of the things, you know, we're still a fan of the traditional method, meaning we think that they serve a purpose, the offline provider, so on and so forth. So I don't want this to be a session on me saying anything negative towards them, but I'm just going to state some of the facts. So we talked about the cost. We talked about the time it takes to do evaluation. The other reason I think why we're getting so close, if not closer, I would say, in quotes, to perfection in, in terms of the business valuation is the fact that we just use more data sources, meaning it's our model, as we talked about in the last call, that we think this hybrid model that can really help value tax-efficient, privately-run businesses, not just growth companies. So we handle both of those. But it's the other thing is we're pulling from as close to you know actual real-time comparables as possible. So if you think about for a lot of your listeners, the public markets, right, that you guys know cold. For the public markets, you know, Edison created the stock ticker 117 years ago. So the biggest companies around the world were able to know what they were worth in, you know, at that point, weekly and then daily. And then now, of course, it's real time. But for the 99.999% of companies that aren't public, they haven't been afforded the availability to do that. So it wasn't just for us to kind of create a better, faster, cheaper way to value a business and put it online in the cloud. But it was also, how can we get as close to real-time value, actual real-time value, despite the fact that the company's private? So we just pull from so many different data sources. So to quote the IBIS World article on business valuation, I believe, they stated that the average valuation professional that did these offline valuations was 2.2 people, the average size of the firm, and that they pulled from 1.6 databases. So if you think about it, no matter how good they are, they're just not going to get close to perfection if you're only using 1.6 databases. So our goal and mission is to have more data on more businesses than anybody in the world and thus to provide perfection in terms of valuation, but then also dig into the performance of how the company compares to their peer group and do it better than anybody in the world. So going back to the advisor office, we started using your advisor office product right when you launched it. And while we're still getting used to it, we see this tremendous opportunity for us to market to businesses that we didn't know existed, but we can find them through your software and get a sense of what they might be worth. How did you come up with the idea and explain to our audience what how Advisor Office works? 
you know, the thing that gets me always so happy to talk to yourself or your partners is the fact that you guys are paid members of the service and you're excited about it just because of your success and you're an expert in the industry and a student in the industry at the same time. And I think this show is terrific for all the the advisors out there. So I just want to say thanks for that. This is a, a fun relationship because we're excited because you're a client and you see the proof in what we're doing. And before I answer your question, I would just say what I love so much about what we're doing and the product that we've developed here with Advisor Office, which I'll talk about in a minute, is that we're helping the business owner through advisors so everyone's winning. So usually a lot of times, right, in any transaction from a business perspective, there's a side that always feels that Maybe they weren't treated as fairly as the other and one wins and the other one loses or kind of loses and one kind of wins. The thing that I love about this, this is truly a win-win because you're giving business owners, which are your best clients a lot of times, something they were never able to really get and you're exposing them to that. So what we've really done with Advisor Office with that in mind is to say, you know, we want to double down on the channel of advisors. So be it registered investment advisors, estate planners. Uh, CFPs and even insurance agents because we see everything kind of bleeding in and blending into one in a sense, right? And we wanted to show our commitment to the channel and do it with a product that only advisors and advisor office clients would have. So with that said, what we did, no, as you said, was we codified our product around what a day in the life of an advisor is about two things, right? Taking care of existing clients better and finding more of the clients that you actually want that are your best clients. And what we figured was there was a few common denominators there. And a lot of times what we found was the fact that the best clients and the ones you wanted to attract more of had something in common. They were business owners or CEOs of privately held companies that had real equity in them, or they were entrepreneurs. So with that in mind, we turned the whole idea and notion of business valuation upside down, meaning Business valuation shouldn't just be something that's used after the deal is won. It should be something that you use as a way to show your constant value, why clients should pay you your annual fee, right? Because it's something, again, you're going beyond and giving them more and more value add because you're giving them a picture, a snapshot of their biggest asset sometimes, their business and their business worth in 29-page report. That's one bit. But with advisor office, what we also focused on is that second scenario, which is how do you find more of the clients you want? And I would think about it this way, that nine months ago, it was really focused around more customer care and estate planning. And how can you do proper estate planning if you can't value your client's biggest asset, which is their business? Advisor office is is like saying, well, how do you find more of your best clients? So what we did was we added a Zillow-like feature, as Noah said, where Now, any advisor that's an advisor office client can private label the service from BizEquity, have their own brand on it, and in less than 10 minutes, get up and going, have your own subdomain. So advisorx.bizequity.com, you'd have your own branding on what's your business worth, you'd have your own link to send to clients and prospects, and then you could do something really cool, which we call the pre-value search feature for a business estimate, BizEquity estimate. So as Noah's seen in South Florida, for instance, he can say, show me every business valued 5 to $25 million in South Florida in these particular industries or not, right? You can specify industry or not. And then using our proprietary scoring methodology, a whole bunch of businesses appear and their representative values. 
And what Noah and his partners have really cracked the code on is it's a much better way to secure a meeting with a high value prospect by giving them something of value going into that meeting. So you could call that business owner and say, we have this new tool at XYZ Advisor. And our tool tells that what your business is worth. And we've estimated that your business is worth more than, let's say, $18 million. Would you like, you know, do you have time? Could we come by and show you the product and service and have a conversation? All of a sudden, it opens doors. And that's what's exciting for us, getting back to the win-win, is the advisors that have this product, so far, 100% of them are really excited and satisfied thus far with the product because it's enabling new conversations to occur. And I just want to add to that, Michael. One of the things it did for us, we've been guessing based on the data that we had access to, how many potential clients are in our market. Our market is essentially companies worth five to a hundred million from Palm Beach to North Miami. And we had estimated there might be 2,000 potential clients. But once we were combing through the data that you've compiled, we realized there's significantly more, which means, you know, there's significantly more opportunity for us than we originally thought. So we started going niche by niche because we have a niche, for example, in car dealerships. We've done a lot of work with car dealerships. And we just told the list, I think there were like 120 car dealerships in our uh, local Fort Lauderdale market that fit our criteria that we're going to start a direct mail campaign to. So it's pretty exciting. Thank you. So where are the advisor office clients coming from and what are they looking for out of the product? As I mentioned, you know, we're in the, the business of helping owners with tax estate and financial planning. So whether they're thinking of selling their company or they need an updated buy-sell agreement or they want to you know, create a golden handcuff plan for their employees, we have a suite of services that we could provide to them. You know, and on the back end, we're earning commissions from life insurance or business transaction fees or investment management fees. So we have a kind of a fairly broad model of how we can monetize a relationship with a client. But where do you see it? What are the other advisors doing? Are they all in a particular niche? Yeah. So I think there's one common denominator from all the advisors that we're seeing is that they know that small business or privately run businesses are the key to their success and getting to their owners or getting to their executives because they're big insurance opportunities because most of the times these folks are underinsured and it's also you know big estate planning opportunities because you can show value and help them as they plan their estate. Mm-hmm. So that's a common denominator. And how we're finding them or they're finding us, it's we just launched advisor office, I guess it's been five weeks now. And what we've been able to do is have close to, I guess right now, about 15 advisory firms already signed up, representing close to a little over 100 individual advisors or agents just in four or four and a half weeks since a lot of these folks have signed up. So five weeks we announced it. The last four, four and a half weeks we've been in the process of signing people up. And we have over 15 firms right now. And we're talking to some of the biggest carriers in the world, which we're excited about because we just think this is the way that business is going to be done in the future. And there's a great stat that the CEO of iPipeline, a company that we respect a lot at one of their user group conferences had, which was eight out of 10 advisors leave the profession in the first 10 years due to poor prospecting. And your scenario in South Florida and Palm Beach, for instance, I think highlights how this product with this little feature that we call you know, pre-value search, which is our Zillow-esque type of feature, really changes that and mainstreams this whole notion, which was this black art of business valuation and puts it in the mainstream. Because if you think about it, as we spoke about in the last call, 
you know, for hundreds of years, people have been running up their business, paying money for software, really, the last 20 or 30 years to make them more efficient, but they still can't answer the most important question for why they're running their business, which is, what's their business worth and how can it be worth more? And now we're putting that in the hands of advisors and then giving them the ability to search for businesses and what their value is. So if you think about everybody that has a CRM tool or a Salesforce.com solution, which are terrific products, we use Salesforce.com here, so we're fans. But CRM is only good if you actually have a prospect to put in the database, right? So who really cares if the database is in the cloud, (laughs) if you're just inputting a, a contact? But what we think is all the magic happens up front, right, is how do you find new prospects to put in to your CRM solution? And we think that's what we've kind of cracked the code on. One of the challenges we've always had in trying to prospect is first unearthing people, but then qualifying them. And the tool just seems like a really easy way for us to find names of people we might want to meet with, you know, companies that we might not have known about that right are in our sweet spot geographically and potentially valuation-wise. So we're loving it. We're excited. I think what you're doing is really an amazing application for democratizing valuation. And I'm excited about what it means for the business owners because, you know, my whole professional experience, and as I mentioned in the previous episode, you know, I used to testify in court about how much businesses are worth. And sometimes I'd be charging, you know, $30,000, $50,000, $75,000 to a client to hone in on those numbers. And here we have this way for me to go out and meet with an owner. And within an hour or two, I'm able to produce a report that really provides significant value to them. And for me, my preface is always, I think this either supports the owner's estimate of value or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, let's find the reason. And probably nine times out of 10, the value range is within the owner's estimate. And therefore, we're confirming what they thought they already knew. And that provides some peace of mind to them that, yeah, they kind of, they they were right. (laughs) You know, and in instances where they're not right, we could dig in to figure out what's missing. And I just think it's wonderful. So no, uh, thank you. No, congratulate you again. So where do you see things going? How do you see accountants responding to this? The people that like me that are accredited in business valuation, you know, testifying experts, do you you think the IRS is going to accept these reports for, you know, family limited partnerships or business interests that are used as gifts? Yeah. So I'll start backwards. I refuse to comment on what the IRS will or won't use, but what I would say is where we see this going, right? We want to be the standard in the space, and we think it's a global opportunity, and we think the timing now is better than ever with this, the hybrid advisors now that exist between insurance and financial advice coming together. And the big thing around succession planning, so there's a great article by CNBC and news item maybe about three weeks ago where they did an article profiling small business transitions or successions in the next 10 years. And I believe their stats were 78% of all business owners in a poll by the FPA said that they expected to fund their retirement 80 to 100%, literally, these were the numbers, by through the sale of their business. Yet less than 20% have planned to sell their business or have any idea what the business is worth. So that's a massive opportunity. Yeah, unbelievable. But it's a massive opportunity for this industry, meaning your industry, to help because it's great, right, if you can make money while helping because then you can justify what you've made. And this is a clear area where you can where you can help. So we really view it as wealth advisors, financial advisors, insurance agents 
are kind of the two of our major channels, as well as banks. So the traditional lending and banking environment for around commercial loans. But you know, if you think about a bank, their biggest asset literally is their branch infrastructure and the real estate they own. Yet they have nothing that really drives in-store engagement or in-branch engagement. And we think this is a product that could drive in-branch engagement if it was online and they'd pick it up at the branch. And we have some great case studies or success studies and stories around that with Metro Bank in Harrisburg and Fox Chase Bank in Pennsylvania, two terrific banks that are publicly traded, as well as the close to 7,000 community banks that exist out there that we think that there's a great opportunity with. But your point about accountants and certified valuation experts, we really view that as that's going to come. And I would kind of classify that as probably the 2016-2017 initiative in terms of you know having proper market share in those categories. And we kind of view it as a herd mentality that the innovators and the first movers or people that are constantly looking to strive for taking care of their clients better, which would be the RIAs and the financial planners and even insurance agents and bankers, they're kind of our leads in. But we do see more and more attraction from the accounting profession to our product as well. Well, that makes sense. I guess I never thought of it as, you know, in our markets, we're always looking for ways to differentiate. You know, the accountant has a different type of relationship with the client than the financial advisor does. And we were reading all these articles about robo-advisors and how our business is going to get commoditized because all we're selling is money management. And I think if that's the case, then they're right. But, you know, we're always looking for ways to differentiate and add value to the client relationship. So is that kind of where this is um, emanating from for those financial advisors that are looking for differentiation? Yeah, totally. We were at the InvestNet conference as well as a company that we respect a lot called eMoney. And we were at their conferences and there's real buzz around robo-advisors. And I think if you think about ourselves, you think about InvestNet, you think about eMoney, we're all in the market to help the hundreds of thousands of financial advisors that are out there truly differentiate and show the value of what they provide and why it's important to have somebody and to have a firm that's close by and to have the offline relationship using online big data cloud-based products like ours. So we think we're another arrow in the quiver to show that differentiation. But to your point, there's so much noise around robo-advisors. So anything that I think traditional advisors can do to show that value is really important. But I always think it's interesting because there's a company located not so far down the road from our headquarters with an amazing founder by the name of Jack Bogle called Vanguard. And if you think about what Vanguard's done from the beginning, and really since the dawn of the internet, they had a really transformative CIO in the 90s, who I think subsequently has passed away, but was an incredible guy. And you, know, they kind of created, if you think about it, the first robo-advisor where they're online, you can have your money managed, but they were smart, right? They still traditionally used financial advisors. And you guys, for instance, can offer Vanguard types of funds. So I always kind of smile to myself with this robo-advisor movement where they're essentially homepages that then lead to Schwab or Vanguard anyhow. But I do think that our product really helps the traditional advisors differentiate. Well, it's great. I'm really excited. I'm glad to have you back on the show and share with our audience what you've been up to. If, if you haven't checked out is equity. Make sure to visit their website. Learn about this advisor office product if you're looking for new clients or ways to better serve your existing client base. And Michael, what else do you want to share? No, I'm just, again, no, I think that your service here and what you do is tremendous to the industry. And, and I really appreciate how unselfish this is because you're having us on, which is a product that clearly you've used for your own competitive advantage in your own market, and you're willing to share it with your peers. And I really appreciate that, and I'm sure your audience does as well. 
Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, to those of you listening, be sure to rate us on iTunes. Send us information for any guests that you'd like us to have on. We appreciate you uh, continuing to be listeners. We hope to have you again on another podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started the sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. If you have any questions about today's podcast, you can contact your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition at 855-540-0400. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us your feedback. Until next time, this is the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Podcast.